KPBS On Demand is supported by the University of San Diego, offering professional and continuing education courses in the areas of business, education, healthcare, and engineering. For enrollment opportunities, visit pce.sandiego.edu. Now playing on the Parker Edison Project. What I learned is that after we got on the boat, we don't know what happened in our past. And they didn't know what happened once we got to America. So there's like this huge gap of like information that's missing. That's up next on the Parker Edison Project. KPBS On Demand is supported by the San Diego County Toyota dealers, whose commitment to customers extends to giving back to the community and who are proud to support the City of San Diego lifeguards with their important role of keeping our beaches safe. Toyota, let's go places. Wait, wait, wait. Like, but... Wait, oh, wait, wait, wait. No, no, no. We no, no. Okay, no. Okay, no. You are now tuned to the Parker Edison Project. Good morning, and welcome to the Parker Edison Project. The theme of this season is geopolitics, which includes the relations between countries and their people. Let's talk about Africa and America. There are centuries of history there, but the transatlantic slave trade sits prominently as a gross, twisted bridge that bonds us and simultaneously sours that connection. So much so, it might play out locally as a distance between American and African communities here in San Diego. We party separately, work for different companies. For instance, there's Yellow Cab. It's quite popular. There's also a group of taxi drivers with yellow cabs that say Eritrean Cab on the door. There's a specific section of San Diego's El Cajon Boulevard where even billboard signs are in an African language. That 10, 15 blocks, maybe coincidentally, is heavy with African households. Perhaps it's nothing, or maybe it speaks to the quiet rift playing out post-slavery. I don't know if we get into these types of nuanced conversations when we discuss historical traumas. Luckily, I got a platform, and I'm curious about it. So I tapped in with one of my best friends, got him on Zoom, and started there. Hey, Peace, you ever uh, you ever see any type of friction between like Blacks and San Diego's and African communities? Um, yeah, definitely. It, I was kind of thinking about it earlier. It was sort of different before I left to the army because, you know, I guess I was just younger at a younger point in life. So it was just like little um, situations like I had um, when I, I went to San Diego State for one semester. So I had to take I took the bus from Chula Vista, the trolley. And so like I would end up at the Yucca trolley station. And so I had a lot of like small interactions where you would see you sort of just put in your memory bank like, oh, like, I don't think the older African people really like us. You know what I mean? And, and then sort of I, I went to the army. I did my time there and had a little bit of life experience. And then when I came back, the, the African community had sort of exploded, if you will. And they um, the younger Africans were more mainstream. Um, and so then, like I said, with the, the little bit of more gained knowledge being four years older, I had came to realize that they didn't like us. And then I, I received that energy from them, that they were better, they were superior, they were more African, more black, and that mostly we were corrupted by our American ways. Mm. And that's sort of, like I said, their stance and my stance has always been, like I said, like, we're the survivors. like. Like, we're the ones that went through slavery. You know what I mean? We're the descendants of the slaves. Like, I got back in 2000, and even up to, like, 2005, you would see, like, African kids downtown, or, you know what I mean, at the club, or 
they weren't trying to deny that they were African. They were more, you know what I mean? Like, I was like, okay, they out here now type of deal. But they still, even though they was out there, the mentality was still <laughs> like, oh, y'all are trying to do our thing and y'all still don't like us. That, you know what I mean? Like, like that's weird, bro. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I've been to a few places, New York, Houston, Vegas, the Bay. These aren't far out things my guy is saying. I've heard these sentiments expressed before. And in my opinion, they don't land as judgmental or throwing shade. I hear them as genuine critiques of the experience. And of course, others have a different take. And I like to listen and give those the same weight. Sir, what's your name and where are we today? So my name's uh, Alvin Eric Owino. I'm in the food industry. So I own a restaurant called Flavors of East Africa, uh, North Park. Oof. Yes. What brought you out to San Diego? San Diego, I came to work. So originally I was working for an accounting company. Then we have the meltdown mm -hmm. at that time. I didn't have a job for about six months. Mm -hmm. And I was thinking like probably, well, I need to get something to do. Mm -hmm. And then eventually that's how I ended up going to the farmer's market. And that's when I discovered there's an opportunity there with what I, the holding that I had to. Ooh, was the farmer's market before the brick and mortar? Yes, that's how it started. Wow. Yes, started very humbly, very, very humble. One of the reasons I'm doing this show is because I'm from San Diego and I've always thought there was a bit of a friction between the black Americans mm -hmm. and the African community. Mm -hmm. And I feel like it's less now, mm -hmm. but I want to ask, have you ever experienced that or do you have any take on it? Just the way you said it, there are many people who've heard it, mm -hmm. but they've not experienced it. Ooh. So the difference here is, are we going by what people are saying as opposed by experience? I mean, I've never had any kind of that kind of um, situation because, mm -hmm. I mean, I talk to a lot of people. I go to the farmer's market. There's all these sorts of people that I, you know, clientele and we communicate with mm -hmm. so well. And I'm not saying that you might not have one or two bad apples somewhere, mm -hmm. just like any other race mm -hmm. has bad apples. I've gone, you know, had misunderstanding with different races, but not a matter of racial thing. Mm. It's a matter of not understanding one another of principles, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but not on a, on a racial aspect of it. I don't get to hear that narrative as much as I used to hear it a long time ago, like 10, 15 years ago. Yes, yes. That narrative is kind of, you know, dying off politely. Mm -hmm. As, as opposed to then, that mm -hmm. um, what's the solution? That's a big question. That is. The solution is our brothers here in America mm -hmm. need to travel to Africa. They need to go and see what's going on over there. Then they will figure out that narrative, is it true or wrong? It's a very wrong narrative that is just being magnified, uh, amplified, call for any brother who's going to Africa and have an interview with him mm -hmm. like you did to me. Then you'll get a different response. You know what? I'm, yeah. a, I'm, I'm actually about to interview a young lady. I'm about to interview her. She's at that table over there. Yeah. Uh, uh, I'm about to interview her. She's, yeah. She was in Ghana and she's yes. about to tell me her experience. experience. And also interview a white man. What should I ask? Give me, give me two questions to ask. ask. What is your experience in Africa? Mm -hmm. How do you interconnect with Africans in Africa? Wow. An African will give you the last goat. Slaughter it, 
to a stranger that uh-huh. they've never seen before, uh-huh. just the fact he's a stranger. <laughs> that has never happened here in America. Nobody is going to take the last good and slaughter it to a stranger. That you, you'll probably get a gun. <laughs> I bet you if you go, you won't even want to come back. Because the kind of love you're going to get over there is some kind of love that you've never seen over here. Wow. Alvin, I, I got I to gotta sit down with this interview because she's waving me over. Thank you so much for giving me a few minutes and for letting us do this interview in this gorgeous spot. Give me the address so listeners can stop by. Okay, so we are located at 2322 El Cajon Boulevard, mm-hmm. San Diego, 92104. And the name of the business again is called Flavors of East Africa. There's an optimism in Alvin that only comes from love. I think you can hear the warmth in his words, and that makes me want to see what he's describing firsthand. When we come back from commercial, I'm going to introduce you to one of my favorite people. She's been some places, and one is across the water. Stick around. Stay tuned for more of the PEP. Hey folks, my name is Bob Surratt. I'm a librarian and host of Listener's Advisory, the San Diego Public Library podcast. Listener's Advisory is the audio access point that connects users with SDPL services, facilities, and staff. Tune in twice monthly for a mixture of narrative-driven segments, in-depth interviews, and roundtable discussions about everything from professional recommendations to community-centric matters. Find us wherever you get your podcasts or at mysdpl.org forward slash listeners advisory. KPBS On Demand is supported by MaraCal Design and Remodeling, helping homeowners with their home remodeling needs. From ADUs to custom kitchen remodels and room additions, MaraCal Design and Remodeling designs and builds your dream home. Learn more at trustyourhometous.com. And now back to the PEP. Welcome back. The topic is the relationship between Africans and Black Americans. Although we are genetically related by the same bloodlines, we're essentially separated by one major event. Africans are pre-slave families and blacks are post-slave generations. This complicates the relationship because even though we are one people, we've experienced two different realities. My next guest and I refer to each other as siblings. It's an unspoken rebellion against past traumas that try to keep us separated. I adore everything about her and it's a blessing that I was able to get her on. She's from the places I'm from, so I take her take on things as being pretty close to what I might think. Peep. What's your name? Oh, my name is Truth. Well, Nisha Sutton, but everybody calls me Truth. I'm working as an organizing coordinator, so an activist pretty much um, with California Black Power Network. And we're working with nonprofits across California um, to talk to them about social justice issues, um, anything that affects the black community. And so, yeah, it's just pretty dope to be able to organize and get paid a living freaking wage. Mm-hmm. And to organize in California for black folks, mm-hmm. by black folks with black folks in mind. There's not enough depiction of that happening right now. It's not, it's so, it's rare. And I'm just honored that I get to be in that space every day. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Super excited. Mm-hmm. And shout out to my girl, Christina Griffin, cause she's she's amazing. And she's my supervisor, but she's like one of my best friends too. <laughs> you can't do that at corporate America. You no. can't work with your friend, but we do it a lot. True. We have done a lot within our community. Absolutely. I had to get at you because you've been to Africa, but before I ask about that, I want to ask if you've ever witnessed any friction between 
uh, just black people and Africans in San Diego? Mm, in San Diego. Mm-hmm. Sure. I would say there's been different instances, instances where um, there was like friction going on. They grew up naive to us and we grew up naive to them. Mm-hmm. You know, growing up in San Diego, there's a lot of East Africans here. So I'll be waving at them and be like, hey, and they'll just look at me like, <laughs> especially the older ones. Um, but having, and then when I went to San Diego Community College and I started talking to like the younger Africans there, East Africans there, they would tell me the language barrier. Like it wasn't that these people didn't want to talk to me. They didn't speak the language. They didn't understand Ooh. the culture. So that already was enough to silence them and to be like, oh, I don't know if I could talk and probably the way I was dressed or, you know, you just never know. And then, of course, you know, you hear African-Americans saying, like, derogatory words towards Africans and vice versa nationally, for sure. Mm. Yeah, you're talking, I'm like, what? Huh. What do you mean they don't like us? Right. Yeah. Right. right. Yeah. With the motherland, mm-hmm. um, what officially prompted your trip? Like, what, what made you pull the trigger and just do it? When, you know, Alfred Longo was murdered by the police, I was going through so much here in America. A friend of mine at the time was going, mm-hmm. and I was like, I'm going with you. I didn't have a really good job then. I was on welfare. Mm-hmm. I didn't have a passport. I didn't have money to go. But I don't know. I felt led and felt like it was like divine. It was definitely divinely guided. It's something that was already in my heart. And then I feel like the universe made a way for it to happen because I did a GoFundMe mm-hmm. and I raised five thousand dollars in three yep. months. Yep. And I was able to fund my trip and was able to pay for my passport and everything. So yeah, that was like how it all came about. It was very magical. I went to Ghana. That's Ooh. the only place I've been in Africa so far. Mm-hmm. Fun fact for folks: every place there is a country that is a continent. Africa is not one country. No, there's <laughs> I think there's like fifty something countries there. So every place is different. With a different currency, with a different president or elective official, whatever, however they do their thing. Right. Different cultures, everything's different. Did Ghana feel different than the U.S.? Most definitely. Being from San Diego, we have the luxury to go to Mexico often. Mm -hmm. And it kind of gave me the same kind of vibe. Like seeing people that have less than us, but have more more than us inside. Like their gratitude is more, their mannerisms are more. Um, just simplicity of life means more to them than to us where we're just the stress I'm not saying that it doesn't exist there's definitely stress there Mm -hmm. but the stress that we have and the depression and all that type of stuff that consumes us every day that work 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 Mm -hmm. it's just a different kind of vibe there It, it feels different what was the dynamic between Africans and American blacks what I learned is that after we got on the boat we don't know what happened in our past and they didn't know what happened once we got to America. So there's like this huge gap of like information that's missing. One time I remember I was with a friend of mine and we were walking down the street and he was a police officer. And then I was, he was like, well, you know, one thing I understand, like why you guys just don't listen to the police? And you know, why you guys just don't do what they tell you to do, then you won't get killed. And I'm like, mm, it's not like that love. There's actually a lot of racism. They don't understand racism. Some of them don't understand racism, the mass majority of them, because everybody around them looks like them. Now, is there classism? Sure. Is there bias? Of course, ignorance. But racism is not... There, There's colorism, sure, but racism is not a big factor, and that alone is a different freedom for black people that we've never had. You're not walking around with this anxious anxiety, 
like, oh my God, I'm, I'm the only person, black person in this room. Yes. If something happened, they're going to point at me or something. Yes. Go, you know what I'm saying? There's that type of, there's a piece that you get just not having to deal with racism. Would you advise other Americans to take the trip? You need to know someone there. Okay. Because just like anywhere, you, people going to try to, you're not from there, they're going to try to get you. Mm-hmm. I'll just say go with somebody there so that they can like talk for you when bargaining for things. Because if they know you're American, they're going to upsell you. Of At, course. Yeah. Mm. They're trying to survive. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> I think American dollar, $100 bills, when I went, $100 bill equated to like five times more. Ooh. Yeah. Tell the listeners, how can they find the company that you're working with so that they can support you if they're so inclined? Okay, well, definitely you can find us on all social networks at California Black Power Network. Mm-hmm. You want to support, even if you're not black. Like, reparations is everybody's duty. Just like slavery was everybody's um, problem. So we need everybody at the table. Thank you so much. Of course. Thank you. God, I love you, sibling. I love you too, bro. <laughs> A subplot of Hype Williams' 1998 film Belly is how the character Sincere, played by the rapper Nas, dreams of escaping his gritty New York life of crime for the paradise of Africa. As if the airplane were a time machine that could reverse the toxic tendencies he's generationally acquired, creating a purer, more natural version of himself that could have existed pre-slave trade. Both Richard Pryor and Malcolm X have documented the way their outlooks changed after visiting the motherland. And my next guest, coincidentally an accomplished rapper himself, echoes a similar sentiment. Peace, brother. What's your name? My name is Ryman Riddler, and I'm from Chillin' Villain Empire, Project Blow, The Good Life Cafe, Los Angeles underground hip-hop artist. Mm. This episode is about, in particular, West Coasters who make the trip into Africa, and you, you've been to the motherland, yeah? Yes, I have. Uh, what, what prompted your first trip? I lived in Paris with a friend for like 11 months out there, just like recording and doing shows and stuff and mingling and meeting people. When I was living in France, a fan from Greece was taking his girlfriend shopping in Paris where I was living and he contacted me on Facebook saying he wanted to come and buy some music from me. I had a lot of merch with me and he came, we went out to lunch, he bought a bunch of CDs and stuff and then he hit me up again a few months later when after I came back to America and asked me to come to Greece to do a show and I did this European tour and did Greece last chilled with them for like five six days before I came home in Athens this was in 2009 Mm -hmm. then in 2015 one of his friends hit me up uh, named Arlen and he wanted me to come to this festival that they're starting called Nege Nege Festival mm-hmm. in Uganda. They wanted me to come out there and be a part of the festival. I was there for two and a half months. They had me there to help with promoting the festival, with working with some of the other artists that are going to be in the festival, doing some production and taking it to the studio to record. Do you know what the, the name Nege Nege means? The irresistible urge to move, it also means sex, too. <laughs> Those are two Ooh. different meanings. That's two different meanings. <laughs> <laughs> what's, what's Uganda like? One of the most beautiful places, like, as far as the climate and the green and the color of the red dirt. It was, like, mind-blowing just to be there, to be, you know, 
around so many people who look like me. You know, nobody knew whether I was Ugandan or not. We all need that experience to go, especially to Africa, because it's so, you know, the way we're taught about Africa as kids, nobody black want to be called African or be associated with Africa when we were kids, you know. They called you African booty scratcher and stuff like that as a joke. But, you know, a lot of people as a kid, if I met somebody from Africa, I'd be like, is it tigers and lions? Have you seen, you know, and <laughs> giraffe before? And but they live in the city just like us, you know? And they all have huge populations of young people. That's the biggest population boom in a in like the next couple generations, Africa is gonna take over China, you know, like some a couple countries in Africa, you know, because they got so many kids right now that once they reproduce, it's like, that's why all these countries are going there. That's why China's there. That's why Russia's there and America's there because this is just gonna be the, you know, the boom. This is where all the consumers are gonna be, you know? <laughs> uh, I dig, I dig. This is just gonna be the biggest consumer center. Is there anything you think Americans would specifically gain from, from making this trip? Yeah, a new perspective on Africa, basically, you know, mm -hmm. especially as a black American, someone who's, that's our ancestry and seeing being there, like where the show was, where the festival was, it was like on the Nile River where the Nile starts mm -hmm, mm -hmm. in this town called Jinja. And right there is where they found some of the oldest, you know, human remains is right there mm. in that park in that area this whole episode we've been playing music from a record that you recorded during the time you were in uganda uh it's a, it's a beat record yeah yeah how was it received when you released it uh, it did well like it got um some good press it got really good reviews and all the tapes that they made sold out you know it's like a limited supply thing it wasn't even a whole lot what are you working on these days right now we just finished a new cve album with my group that's called Critical Bass Theory. Mm -hmm. I'm working on a solo album. Fish just finished a solo album that I did some of the production on. Mm -hmm. That'll be coming out in the next couple weeks. And I'm finishing up a new album called The Reformation that I'm working on. I got a copy of the CVE vinyl, man. I appreciate you sent it over. It's real classy of you, man. Can I run one of the tracks from it? Of course. This is how we start every morning with so much bass that you can feel it vibrate Every organ shaking the floor in your dorm And awaken the dormant, it's quite alarming when the bass keep throwing blows Like formants back in its prime Where I put my styles upon these beats, they shuffle like Ali's feet If there's a greatest, it's probably me, so let it rest on CVE Let them test and we shall see Glory, praise, victory, we prove we're more than history Here we're roasting rappers over hickory Who want that smoke and they get from beef So we gotta go to war just to get to the peace And smore your sports, but I ring to the feast But I pray to the Lord that I meet some of my cues I keep discreet While others I did right in the street Making music that murks our enemies At the same time subvert the industry This is how we start every morning With so much bass that you can feel it vibrate Every organ shaking the floor in your dorm And awaken the dormant It's quite alarming when the bass keep throwing blows Like formants back in its prime This is how we start every morning With so much bass that you can feel it vibrate Every organ shaking the floor in your dorm And awaken the dormant It's quite alarming when the bass keep throwing blows Like formants back in Quite alarming when the bass keep throwing blows like formants back in his prime.
Thanks for stopping in. The Parker Edison Project is produced and hosted by yours truly, Parker Edison, and of course, the good people at Platform Collection. Be sure to subscribe and catch the next episode on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you have any comments or questions, visit theparkeredisonproject.com or hit us on Instagram at the PE Project. Chris Reyes is head of audio production. Lisa Jane Morissette is operations manager, and John Decker is associate general manager for content. This programming is made possible in part by the KPBS Explorer Content Fund. I love saying that because it reminds me of Sesame Street. Y'all stay safe out there. KPBS On Demand is supported by Maracal Design and Remodeling, helping homeowners with their home remodeling needs. From ADUs to custom kitchen remodels and room additions, Maracal Design and Remodeling designs and builds your dream home. Learn more at trustyourhometous.com.